I had laser eye surgery and I didn't die. So it's somewhat of a long story, but I will try and keep it brief. Many months ago, I went in to see if I could get my eyes checked to see if I can get laser eye surgery because I've had vision issues since I was in like the seventh grade or something. I remember sitting there with my dad and mentioning it to him and I was like, I don't want to bother people. Maybe I don't have eye issues. And he's like, well, can you read the McDonald's menu there? And I'm like, not a single word. He goes, Matt, I'm 40. I can read the McDonald's board. You probably have some eye issues. I'm like, oh, dang. And so I went to the eye doctor and they're like, yeah, he got some eye issues and he um, gave me some glasses. And these glasses I wore for like a year or two. And then I started wearing contact lenses. Contact lenses that I left in my eyes all month. Like for a month, they would just sit in there. I would never take them out. I'd sleep in with them as well. And then I'd replace them every month. So there wasn't a big inconvenience, but it did cost quite a bit of money. Probably cost like a thousand bucks a year or something, maybe more. But of course, getting laser eye surgery when you're younger is dumb. You're meant to wait until you're like mid 20s or older than that. And it costs quite a bit of money. So I never did it. But now that I have a bit of money, I was like, you know, that's something I can do. Get laser eye surgery. So a couple months ago, I went in to see if I can get laser, laser eye surgery because not everyone can. It, it can only fix some issues. And the dude was like, you have the perfect eyes, the literal perfect eyes for laser eye surgery. There are three different types that we can do. Each is different levels of invasiveness and requires different levels of recovery you can get literally the best one it's called smile and what they do i didn't want to get the super details but it's basically like they put a incision in your eye and it's like to make like a little flap and then like they go in and like they move stuff around and then they close it the whole thing takes like a minute there's a huge lead up to it where like i couldn't wear contact lenses for a month leading up to the procedure because contact lenses reshape your eye even if just, just a little bit so I didn't wear contact lenses leading up to there. You, you can't use like spray on deodorant and stuff or wash your hair and stuff moments before going because that can Im impact your eyes and stuff as well. So I got there on the day and you wait there for a bit as they're prepping everything. They check your eyes again. And I had a little bit of a scare because she's like, oh my God. Yeah, your right eye, the stigmatism's a little bit different than what we thought it was. I'm like, is that a huge problem? She's like, nah, don't worry about it. But they had to rescan my eye, take different pictures and stuff. But of course, when there's a surgery, people doing surgery on you, any small issue, you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna die. Ah. Ultimately, they just put me down the table, head back, and then there's two parts to it. One, where this thing goes down over your eye, like a, a tube or whatever goes like this, and then you just keep it, boop, and then your eye goes completely white. You can't see shit. Then there's another point you just have to, it's like, he's just like, look at this point. And he was telling me, look at the light. But then he's like, oh, actually look a little bit away, like down a bit more. So there was a there was a light there, but I had to not look at it and I had to look slightly down. I'm like, oh, this is concerning. He thinks I should be looking at the light, but then he's telling me not to look at the light. Oh no, something's gonna go wrong. But does one eye, takes a minute. It's a minute of like a bit of pressure and inconvenience, but you don't really feel pain. It's more like just a nerve wracking experience to a degree. And then he does the other eye and then it's done. Like it's like a you know two minutes tops. I was sitting on that table. I was given Valium. Now I, I was expecting Valium to be like the sickest drugs alive. Like the, I don't know, like I would be dopey as shit. But in reality, all it does is calm you down. I didn't even know if it was doing anything because I could have just been calm naturally. Like I wasn't particularly like, oh my God, I'm going to die before they gave me the drugs. And I just felt about the same afterwards. Because like, I trusted these people. They were they were very professional and they were charging a fuck ton of money, $7,000, I guess it'd be $5,000 USD, and they wouldn't be able to charge that kind of money 
if things didn't go well. No one had ever gone blind from one of these procedures or something. My mother had done it and she was fine. So I wasn't overly concerned. It was more like, I just want this to be over so I can stop being concerned about it. They, of course, like put stuff around my eyes to, uh, to numb it. They gave me a, a painkiller so I didn't feel any pain or whatever. They put eye drops in my eyes, so again, no pain. They put a thing in your eye to um, op- keep your eyelid open. That was the thing I was concerned about, that I would blink or something, but that wasn't even possible. You don't even think about it. Like, oh, I should be blinking. It's just not a thing that you worry about. So it wasn't that bad, but it's still surgery and not a fun experience. It's not like, I'm going to go back next week and do it again, man. Yeah. But if you want to get it, I I can't talk about the other forms of the surgery and how much worse they are. I don't think they're that much worse, but uh, it's it's not that bad. But now I have like a six week procedure to to keep my eyes fine because immediately after the procedure for like four hours, didn't feel particularly good in the eye region, right? It's like, wasn't like splitting pain like you're hungover or something, but it's like, there's some pain here. Opening my eyes, I can look around and stuff, but it's like, yeah, I can feel a little bit of pain. Nothing too severe though. But after that four hour mark, I'm like, there's no pain at all. I expected this to go on a lot longer than this or be more severe, but I was just fine. I'm looking around like, my eyesight is already like 10 times better than it used to be. At least with with our contacts or glasses. Because like right now, my eyes are not as good as glasses, not as good as contact lenses. But your eyesight over the next six weeks kind of fluctuates a little bit, but you never have bad enough eyesight that you can't go about your daily business. I'm not sure why that is. It's just over the course of the healing process, it's about at the six weeks that your eyes become as sharp as they will be. And you have to use eye drops like every three hours. Many different types of eye drops and stuff. And I'm not allowed to touch my eyes or like rub them for five days. And you don't realize how much you want to rub your eyes until they say, hey, you can't do this. And it's like, must not rub eyes for any reason. And I, I have to wear like a, a, a face mask thing when I go to sleep for three nights, which is not a big deal because I usually wear a face mask anyway. Um, but that's the glasses that I showed on my community post. Don't I look like a cool future guy? This is just when I got home. And so I have to wear these for a day and now I actually need to wear them at night for like two nights or something. And this was me before the procedure with my fogged up glasses. Getting my laser eye surgery now, if I die, remember me as someone who played a video game faster than average. Let that be my legacy. Good picture. Can't believe someone in the comments was like, Oh, why are you wearing a, wa- a mask, man? They don't do anything. It's like, my motherfucker, it's a, it's a fucking hospital, dude. They invented mask wearing. They were wearing masks before COVID. Do you remember how dumb these people were? How they were like, man, if you wear a mask, you'll like, you'll like not be able to breathe and you'll die and shit. It's like, my guy, doctors and nurses have been wearing these masks for like, Forever. If that were true, we'd have no doctors and nurses. But our uh, crazy people. And I made a little, made a little joke here. Because right? after that when I said, I regret to inform you that Dark Vap AU has dined this evening on a quarter pounder because McDonald's mistakenly didn't give him a double quarter pounder. I can see better though after my surgery, which is nice. Like I started as if like it's it's saying that oh Dark Vap AU has died. So basically, everything went well. My eyesight is not perfect right now. It has improved, but it'll be uh, many weeks until I don't have to worry about it or think about it. So if you're thinking about getting it and you can afford it, go for it. Like if you're a person like me who is buying contact lenses every six months and you've been doing that now for 15 years or something, it it pays for itself eventually. But of course you have to have that actual amount of money in your bank account, which not everyone has of course. Because this will save me money over the course of my life getting this. You just like contact lenses, can't get them in at all. It's just something that you get used to. Eventually it just becomes like the most mundane thing you can imagine as most things are. 
Like, after you use them enough. Guy completes all FromSoft games without getting hits. A dude has done Demon Souls, Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3, Bloodborne, Sekiro, and Elden Ring, one after the other, without getting hit even once. He happy! I know that feeling. He happy man. Someone tagged me in this, and they were like, I wonder if this guy was inspired by Dark Viper AU's no damage runs of GTA 5. And I responded like, it's actually the opposite. To my knowledge, the no-hit community of Dark Souls is the biggest no-hit community that there is. And I was inspired to do no damage GTA 5 by the happy hob who was a no-hit runner of the Souls games. And I was like, hey, I should do that in GTA 5. And I did. It isn't as though I hadn't heard of no-hit runs before, but because I, I watched him a bit, and so inspiration struck. Obviously, the Souls games make a bit more sense to do no-hit runs for, because you have so many tools available to you, and the things that fly at you are meant to be dodgeable in some capacity, unlike GTA 5. And I would argue that doing a no-damage run of those games would be amazingly more tedious, because even a small amount of fall damage would just screw you so much. And so many of the strats that you do to get to certain places require you to take a little bit of damage. It would still be doable, I'm sure he could do it, it'd be far more tedious. We struggle to move on to new creators. Am I okay with PewDiePie doing React content as he is effectively retired? That is one of the worst things about reaction content. I don't think he's doing as much as like actual reactors or whatever, but a person retires and they're like, man, and, and, and so you've, you've got all these viewers who would necessarily have to move on and spend all their time with other people, finding new creators to get attached to and to support. But this old school creator is like, nah, I don't want to retire though. I don't want to lose my audience or whatever. Uh, I want to keep that money flowing in. And so they just upload reaction videos that take absolutely no effort to make to let other people carry them. And it's just like, ah, that's gross, dude. It makes it harder for new people to enter the ecosystem if the old school people who are burnt out can still hang around like, Shram shambling around keeping the audience with them because at the end of the day chat one of the hardest things about being a new creator is getting credibility like you can make an amazing video that people see in the recommendation algorithm and they're looking at other oh, videos interesting but that guy over there i've been watching him for years i watched that guy's video instead i don't know who this fucking new guy is but that that old guy who, who i've watched like 800 videos of yeah i'm gonna watch that guy again because we like things that are similar like, like the same but different we go back to the same shows that we watched before. We go back to the same people we watched before because they've proven themselves that they can entertain us. When new people, they don't have that kind of credibility. Think of your favorite show, right? When it runs out episodes, you have to watch something else, something new. You got no choice. But as long as that old familiar thing never stops pumping out content, it takes a lot longer for you to move on. Special Gangster in GTA 5 drops 500k. Sometimes I want to highlight comments that I get that are really dumb. But most of the comments that I get that are dumb are related to my reaction series. And I'm sure you guys are sick of me bringing up that stuff by this point. But I got a dumb comment unrelated to that. So, right after the mission Franklin and Lamar, there is a gang NPC outside of Franklin's house that if you kill, you instantly get 500k. I actually found that out just the day that I started playing because I was so interested in exploring the mechanics and wanted to see how they work. So I punched that gang member guy and I got 500k. He always spawns, so it's not RNG based. No, that is your pre-order bonus. 
Like, even if you didn't know that you had a pre-order bonus, why the fuck would you think punching an NPC in front of Franklin's house would give you 500k? Rockstar was like, you know, Barry, he's doing well work in the streets. He's got 500k in his pocket at the front of Franklin's house. People happen to find that NPC. They too will get that 500k. How are the guys playing experience must have been like playing the entire game? Like, man, so weird. Like the first NPC that I killed gave me 500k, but every single other one gave me between like 17 and $25. How weird is that? It could have been a joke, but there's no context that suggests that to be the case. Rockstar coming after the GTA 5 roleplay servers. So Rockstar has released a statement about role-playing servers and their stance on them. This, to my knowledge, is the first time they've ever done this. I just always suspected that it fell under, like, other things in their TOS and they wouldn't need to make a specific statement, but they have now. To summarize all this, it's like, yo, we're cool with you guys doing role-play, but by the way, if you do shit that we don't approve of, we will fucking destroy you. Basic summary. Like, they don't like commercial exploitation, like loot loot boxes uh, for real-world currency, the sale of virtual currencies, you know, NFTs, cryptocurrencies, and all that stuff. They don't like that shit. If you're doing stuff that will make them look bad and they don't want to be associated with, they will strike you down with the vengeance of a very pissed off god, basically. You want to read it all? Feel free. That's basically it, as is kind of shown here. After doing some digging, Take-Two appears to be upset with rapper Lil Dirk and a lawsuit could be cooking. Dirk has been involved with selling loot boxes and a premium paid pass known as Trenchies Pass, which includes access to the server alongside other perks on the 5M server. Rockstar don't like that shit. Which in general has been their stance, like if you look in their TOS, they give pretty wide allowance for people to use their stuff to make content. But to what degree that you can commercialize that stuff and make money, they're kind of less keen on that stuff. But obviously, given that they haven't struck down any of us YouTubers in the last nine years, well even longer than that if you include GTA 4, clear they can't have that much of a problem with us. Either that, or they don't want to potentially face any backlash for doing it. Although I think that's unlikely considering how many things they've done in regards to taking down mods and uh, and whatnot that have caused a lot of backlash. I don't think Rockstar and Take-Two give two shits about backlash. If they really wanted to take down us and felt we were harming them in some way, they totally would. Why my billionaire speedrunner is underperforming. I don't think the billionaire video is doing as well as the millionaire video, but I think that's probably because people will expect me to be doing roughly the same thing as in the first video. Like on some level, I should have tried to draw a greater distinction in the thumbnail. Usually the second video does not do as well. It'll probably grow over time though. Bad to go watch it. It is a really nice video. Like I, tr- I tried to make the thumbnail the same, but more. The original thumbnail has like a lot more shadows and stuff to make it look more distinguished. I don't know. I think the original thumbnail is better. I could have tried harder to make it so they could be seen as two separate things. So I wouldn't have the uh, falling off that often episode twos have, but. Is speculation about video games harmful? Do you enjoy indulging in speculation about games which are yet to come out? Or do you find it annoying when viewers ask what you think about such games? I mean, I consider speculation about video games to be harmless, but I don't have any information that other people don't have, and my speculation is valueless. It can only exist as a source of entertainment. It doesn't change anything about what Rockstar is or is not likely to do, for example, in regards to GTA 6. I mean, I'll answer such questions if I need something to talk about it, but otherwise, no, it's not something I uh, spend a lot of time on or really care to. Why not just record my videos offline? Joshua Boy says, 
you have mentioned that you basically stream to make content for YouTube. Would you be able to record your videos while offline? Does chat play a role in this process? Are you doing it because of the added engagement and revenue? Yeah, I suppose there's probably a long list. Whenever I run into any kind of difficulty, I can look at chat and go, chat, help me, please. I'm drowning here. Save me, chat. And I'll often get saved. Other times when I have nothing to say, there's nothing interesting going on on stream, I can look at chat, see something that's just straight up funny that the person has said. Almost like stealing a joke, although I it, clearly I'm reading from chat, so not really. Or I can like play off something someone has said to at least make it so there's not dead air. And then of course, people enjoy it. Like people like watching my live streams. They're like, they, they don't just want the cut down stuff. So I'm making people happy. And of course the revenue. While live stream revenue is only a tiny portion of the amount of money I make every month, it's like, why not? Honestly, the revenue is like the least of the points there. Like if there was no other benefit, I wouldn't be willing to live stream just for the revenue. But I like live streaming. I enjoy it and it has benefits along with it. So why not? Kind of feels weird to talk to no one though. Chat is someone to address instead of face to scam. I mean, in some way, I often think when I'm talking that I'm talking to my viewers in the future as well, you know? My personal brand is not as strong as I thought. But what depresses me is videos that I think are real bangers and should do well, don't do well. Like this one, my journey to PAX Australia, uh, uh, PAX Australia in Melbourne. This is a really great video. It's the combination of editing from me and Yellowbat. I was mainly doing all the cutting down to choose the footage and stuff, uh, but massively underperformed. Like it's got like a less than 3% click through rate and it's not even been out for a day ridiculously terrible. In days past, when I did this kind of special in real life content, people be like, oh, this is new, this is different, this is the, the GTA 5 guy, but doing something outside of his norm, let's watch. People don't seem to be as interested now. I'm getting a lot of comments with like, man, this video is great, I love it so much, but no one's fucking watching it. No one's clicking on it. The thumbnail looks pretty good to me. I recognize that it wouldn't be appealing to people who don't know me, but I thought there'd be enough people who know me and care to carry it, but apparently not. Why though? It's a genuinely, genuinely amazing video. Yeah, but people just aren't interested. They do not care about me doing in real life content, doing this stuff, but it seems that people in general aren't interested in much of what I'm doing now. So the most recent ramble I put out, hugely underperformed, just like boof. Like it seems as though the amount of people who are just interested in me as a person massively dropped off. Gone are the days where my involvement in something can really spark up a lot of viewership. People have seen me in tons of stuff. They know what I do. They know what I'm about. It seems as though the only things that I can put out that people be interested in are things that'd be interesting irrespective of whether or not I was the one involved. Would Twitter dying be a good thing? Meh, Twitter should die to be honest. I've become kind of sick of this attitude that people have, where it's like, huh, I didn't use Twitter. It can just fucking die. Could you imagine people having that perspective on like anything that you care about or use or like? There were hundreds of million, millions of people using Twitter because they wanted to use Twitter. And a billionaire bought it because he got his feelings hurt and he's destroying it. Like again, I don't think he's destroying it intentionally. His actions don't suggest that. He is just massively incompetent and way over, over his head. It's like, oh, I've, I've done things before, therefore I can do anything. <laughs> Can you imagine any circumstance where a billionaire buys something that people love and ruins it because of his own ego, where you wouldn't be like, man, that's fucking gross. That billionaires can have that kind of control in life. Like you might dedicate all your time to something. And then the billionaire is like, oh, I don't like this anymore. Squish. That's not a good part of life. I don't care how much you use Twitter. 
and how much you like Twitter, this isn't a positive development. It's not something to be celebrated. Every person who's like, man, either it gets better or it burns down, that's a win-win thing. That's, that's not the case. Just because you don't like something or don't want to use something doesn't mean it's good when it gets destroyed. The people who are saying things on Twitter that you don't like don't disappear with Twitter. Twitter has a functional purpose in the market and therefore it will eventually be replaced. But it will likely be replaced with a lot of inconvenience and take many years. As I say, I'd be shocked if Twitter died entirely because its brand has a lot of value. Like when like every, every place that talks about news will at some point reference Twitter and things people have said on it. It was the place where the movers and shakers of the world were most likely going to express their thoughts. That functional purpose should exist and will exist somewhere else.